And we're back. Welcome to the Cinema Draft Podcast, where daily fantasy sports meets the movies. You love them. You love them. It's Return of the Tripod. The cultural cul-de-sac crew themselves. First up, you have the WBW, the working black writer in Hollywood, the chocolate cardinal himself, Stanford's finest, former story editor, but now turned producer of the most ridiculous nighttime soap on broadcast TV. Now renewed for a fourth season, if we ever what? get there, if we, if we fade the apocalypse. Dynasty, the reboot, it's our own uncut gem. You know him, you love him. It's Kevin Garnett. That was a hell of an intro, Ed. Yeah, what's up, Steve Thank Harvey? You. What's the what's the deal? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. We're, we're not done. We're not done. And we also have G Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Not that you ever read this rundown anyway, but here is uh, a more fitting intro for our henpecked father of four, three. I can't keep track. Stop seven. Stop seven. Father of three, resident cultural misanthrope, educator extraordinaire. And a one-man walking, talking, daddy daycare administrator extraordinaire. It is my old writing partner. It's G Nice. What up, good people? <laughs> the crowd That's goes right, wild. Damn it. That's right. We have reconvened like Voltron. Wait, did you, was that a was that a was that a sound effect? <laughs> yeah, that was a sound, sound effect. Are back. We well, are, yeah. They are most definitely back. Nice. They'll be sweetened in post. Don't worry about yeah. it. Yeah. Can I play a theme song? If I was the theme song, I want to come into Souls of Mischief. Okay. Well, we can't afford it. We, 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 have, we have no sample budget here. No sample budget. Our Andy Cohen-inspired Watch What Happens Live style drinking game tonight will be the word zombie. Because every time you hear one of us say this word, take a sip of what you're sipping. Because tonight's pod will end up covering our top movies with the zombie apocalypse. A post-apocalyptic world may or may not have already occurred. Mm. Mm -mm. Well, that's a zombie you had to drink. Oh, there you go again. So, all right. So, Airhorn. Yes. First segment. Yes. It's what I'm watching. And of course, you know, since we have the, the tripod together, actually, I've missed you guys so much. It has been, what, I don't know, two years and, and one failed podcast test <laughs> before. My bad. I promise you, we are recording this time, at least according to the to the little icon so let's start with what y'all are watching real quick what's what's some things you're watching uh first thing i'm watching i'll jump in uh cardinal i don't know i don't know and maybe g nice told me about this i'm not quite sure good i said it okay probably so (laughs) high fidelity oh i said it i did say it because i'm brilliant uh the wife and i just binged binged that over the weekend is it good it's a very entertaining show. It's like, good. I enjoyed it myself. Yeah. It's, it, the, the, the format is a little weird because she breaks the fourth wall, but like it's Zoe Kravitz. So, of course, talk to me, whatever. It's good. Um, and they the, make her look like trash, too. I mean, like she's like naturally good looking and, and it shines through some. But I mean, yeah. I was really shocked at like how just beaten down her look. <laughs> I, I would not have said that. I, I mean, she looks, she's more on the. Um, on the enemy of the state version of Lisa Bonet than <laughs> say the different world version of Lisa Bonet, but um, she still looks good. I mean, it's, it's, she, yeah, it's, it's Zoe Kravitz. Yeah, there's what always was, Zoe Kravitz. What was the first reference you said? Not different world, what'd you say? 
enemy the enemy of the state, of the state uh, Lisa You Remember her in that? Of course. What? Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> he okay. he had, he's had a long running crush on Lisa Bonet, so he, I'm sure he remembers everything she's ever. Lisa been. Bonet is so she's like super like honestly, if you look at her her like body of work, it's not like the greatest body of work, but there's and she's kind of creepy, but she's still fucking beautiful and awesome and anything she does, I'll watch. Yeah, she. Uh, but but high fidelity, great ensemble cast. The people that work at the that's that's more of her of Zoe's look. Yeah, high fidelity. Yeah, Lisa Bonet looks great in this picture, so yeah. yeah what, I mean, what, am I, what am I saying? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you're saying either. Uh, but it's a, it's sort of a reinvention of the movie, which was a John Cusack star, uh, but it still has that have same sort of the, feel. Have you seen the original? Yeah. Did you, I, I asked you this. Did you read it? I didn't read the book. No, I saw the movie. But The book is fucking... That, he, that dude is great. Based on a book by Nick Hornby. Based on a fucking uh, great book. And even though it's British, it's still pretty good. Yeah. And the guy who plays her ex-boyfriend or ex-fiance in He this, was in Noel, which I think is an awesome movie, by the way. Okay. Very jolly. I, I feel like I've seen him somewhere. He's very good. The whole, the whole crew is good. They do th- a thing that a lot of these 10-episode uh, streaming series do. You're going to ruin this? Don't ruin this. I'm not going to ruin it. Where they focus on one of the side characters for an episode and it just doesn't hit as hard. A lot of, a lot of streaming shows do this where you'll get an episode about the best friend or whatever. And it's like a bottle episode. Yeah, It's still good, but it's not as good. Cause like I tune in to see her adventures in love or whatever. Did you say you turned to see her naked? Is that what you just said? No, no, come, that's, Brett, Gina, no, stop. Just keep it classy. Keep it classy. I will say, I will say one of the, the main draws, the side character is Divine Joy Randolph. Yeah. Just, you know, busting through, you know, just, you know just, just breaking down everything, every scene she's in. She's, she's a talent. She's incredible. Her Charisse is, yes. I mean, at first it feels a little over the top, but then you all, we all kind of know someone like that with, with you know, uh, it, she's basically, she's basically like Anchorman in a black woman's body. Just unearned <laughs> confidence. Just no way to tell her wrong. It's great. It's awesome. <laughs> and they, and they sort of, it's, it's like a great spice that you just put a little bit of it in goes a long way and it like makes the whole dish true yeah well well said well said what are you are you able to watch anything g nice besides that like, that like a metaphor um i haven't watched this yet because i have this weird thing where like i want like i like i'm i'm not i want to watch it i wanted to watch it from the jump but like i need to like when i go in it's all i'm gonna watch so i just need to be ready <laughs> and they're only, I, it's a half hour so it, they go by quick i know but I also want to watch the original <coughs> before I go in. The, uh, oh, the original what? I want to watch the original again before I go in. Oh, the movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, well, enough about what you want. I know to it's watch. not necessary. I know it's not necessary, but I like to do things the way I want to do things. Thank Unnecess- you. Unnecessarily. Great. Well, how about do something for us? Tell, tell us something you have been watching or, or you, you just watched. Uh, I recommend watched... to people. Me? I'm touching my nose. I, you know, <laughs> come on, dude. You got to stop that. Sanitize first. The um, I have, I watch. This is gonna sound so sad, but I watch a lot of stuff while I'm washing dishes, which it's not how you live. (laughs) Yeah, but it's not like I'm enjoy. Like I purposely watch stuff that I don't really care what happens. Sure, hell, I look. I've watched Love Is Blind and The Circle. I mean, come on, no shame, (laughs) no shame around here. (laughs) What do I watch that's like good? 
Um, I'm sort of watching, I'm like off and on watching the third season of, of, of True, True Detective. Huh, okay. I liked it, I believe, I, if I do recall correctly. Yeah, it was interesting. Is that, that's the Mahershala? Uh, Mahershala and Stephen Dorff, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I watched that. I fell off. Uh, that season two was like, eh, I'm good. Yeah, because I feel like I, season two was in, and I really like Vince Vaughn, but it was like, there's so much about this, which is so much flavor and so much like, the idea is cool, but there's like no substance. You're just kind of like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Are we? Like, if you stop and you jump to episode eight, it's not going to really make a difference. You'll know something bad is happening. They're reaching for it. They say some strange lines. What's her name is hot, though? The lady? Uh, oh, yeah. Um, I always get them confused, too. It's like, yeah. is, it's like that, Car- is that, Car- I'm not sure if this Carmody Joga. I think this, this is Carmody Joga. I think this is her. Yes. Because she's also in that self-made um, miniseries on Netflix, which I didn't she's- see. I didn't want to mention on what I'm watching because you don't necessarily want to mm-hmm. disparage something, per se. But it just felt like Black People's Homework. It was fine. I mean, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't great, but it was fine. She was also in Metro, by the way, starring Eddie Murphy. That, that's, that's actually what I think, you know, the U.S. was introduced to her, because I remember Metro. I think wow, I owned Metro. True, huh? And she was so hot, I'm like, let me own this film, because she's <laughs> hot. She's in The Girlfriend Experience. She, I never yeah. watched that. Yeah, she was, oh, that's, that's excellent. That's, it's, I mean, I'm not a big fan of, like, anthology series, per se. But, I don't know if it's excellent, but she was very good. Well... <laughs> The first season was definitely excellent. Second season was 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 really good. They had they told two competing stories that had nothing to do with each other, but it was both kind of like different sides of how people are using kind of sex as currency. One like a a, a politician uh, type, like she's like a, a political handler, and the other one, Carmody Jogo's character, I think she was like um like a, a a drug dealer's girlfriend who went into witness protection or something. It, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. Zombie. Um, I also watched. Yeah, <laughs> I just want to make someone drink. All right, I'll drink. You can't see me because once again we have technical difficulties for those who are actually watching the pod. Uh, we can't get this damn uh, video to work. Great job, Zoom. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we are sharing screens. We have uh, KG on camera and G Nice doing his. This is choice, stuff. man. Choice. The, uh, the 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 I watched the season four. I finished season four of Better Call Saul. Oh yeah, that's great. It is great. It's it's great, but there's something about it that's like, it's good. It's always good, right? It's this quality. It's good acting. Season one was very slow. Yeah, there's something about it's it where it's obnoxiously slow. Yeah, I like, felt like the first couple seasons were slow, but it picks up in three and four a little more. I mean, it's all. I mean, they're all. It's all dragging out to where we to where we know it's going to end. But season five, yeah. actually, it's all kind of built to this. It's really good now. Like really, really good. Like they, had, they had, I think one of their best episodes, like this past Monday, involving Kim and and uh, Saul Goodman. No, no, tell me, you got it up. Is this uh, the final season or? No, I think it's this one, and then the next season will be the final season. I think they announced like a two season final thing. Dude, Giancarlo's balling, dude. He just he's, he's great. Like, that guy. Like, he just gets like now he's kind of bad guy guy, but he he's good. He's like constantly good. And he's just like, I, well, he was the one in uh, the Star Wars shit. He was the bad guy in the Star Wars guy, too. Um, yeah, Mandalorian. Yeah. Mandalorian. Oh, I got something the wrong. Better call Saul. Oops. <laughs> I was like, why are these, all these pictures of Homeland? Okay. Yeah, sorry, sorry, people watching at home. Uh, Better call Saul, the action. Here we go, the series. My bad. I guess, so there, I guess there's an episode called Better Call Saul and Homeland that really tripped me up. Okay, here we go. Sorry, continue. Saul Goodman. <laughs> Saul Goodman. Saul Goodman. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, Better Call Saul, I, I really enjoy it too. So I guess that kind of qualifies what I'm watching as well. I'm in on the new Westworld. I'm in. I'm in on the new season of Westworld. Uh, season three. Season two was an incomprehensible mess. Um, I mean, you, you can listen to a recap and it still won't make any sense. But season three so far, these first two episodes, it looks like they spent a billion bucks. It's sleek. It's sexy. It's dangerous. Evan Rachel Wood's got an incredible wardrobe. Um, <clears throat> she was the focus of the first episode. The second episode was all about Tandy Newton's character. And Tandy Newton just, I mean, throwing, you know, fireballs like, like, like a Nintendo 64 game. Oh, my God. She's incredible. But here's another example of something. This is like, this is Nolan's brother, right? It's yeah, like Jonathan Nolan, a.k.a. the guy who did Person of Interest, which was a fine series in its own right. Well... And his wife, uh, Vanilla Cardinal. Batman and Vanilla Cardinal. Asian Vanilla Cardinal, yes. <laughs> yes, something like that. He, this is another example of like great acting, super like good production, like all this extra like beautiful stuff, but it's like, what the fuck is going on? There's something, there's something <laughs> super annoying about like, dude, you're smart, I get it. But like now you just want to, you want everyone to walk away going, what the fuck just happened? Like, it, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't watch season two, but I definitely think, that clip that that season finale of season one just like when you thought the world had kind of closed in on itself totally opened it up so yeah. during this little hiatus here i think i'll i'll try to go back and binge two and uh, you're gonna be i guarantee you we're gonna say this right mistake. now on this podcast you're gonna come back next podcast you're gonna be like i'm super frustrated by what just happened I was gonna say season two might actually frustrate you. I don't see anything it's wrong. Not with fun. It. The it's not, this is supposed like, to be released. This is supposed to be we enjoy it. That shit was dope. But instead, you're like, "Fuck you! Why did I waste another hour? What the I, fuck?" I think but, you can actually skip season two, find a recap somewhere, and just be and be just fine. Like a five minute chance, recap. Yeah. Zero chance Kevin skips it. He cannot do it. He would never be able to walk away. Uh, it's difficult. I still have 17 episodes of. The Americans left. That is my new priority. So I'm on season three. I've never stopped. I I I keep saying I'll do it, and then I never do. Fargo's another one like that. I want to do it, but I who knows? I'm old. After now. that season two finale or that second to last episode in season two, I'm like, eh, done with the Fargo. Yeah. Well, I, I'm interested to see what they're going to do with Chris Rock <laughs> if and when. Well, yeah, yeah. I'll watch that. I'll watch Rock on there. Yeah, but Westworld is just so well stocked. <laughs> acting, I mean, and and this and season three, the narrative seems fairly straightforward. But it's not, and I haven't seen them yet. <laughs> I seen them, but I know that you're wrong because <laughs> the, thing is, the thing is, it's they're beautiful. Every it's it's beautiful. It's so well done. But no. it's just <laughs> do, do not, just just trust me. Just watch. All right. So the feature looks very smooth. That's one of the things I'm watching. Another thing I watched uh, real quick. Hillary, it's a four-part docu-series on Hulu, and it's, it's interesting. I mean, I mean, it definitely gives you a historical perspective on her, and yes, it's mostly in her own words, and so you can think that, oh, it's going to be hagiography, but it's not, because she's a realist. Like, she, she's definitely, like, she talks about all her stuff, like Bill being a cheating bastard, how she was, um, I mean, did you know she used to be on the team that was working to impeach Nixon? I mean, that's how really? far, yeah, that's how far back she goes. Like, she has been a legit G forever. Like she was like she was you know um, into into women's rights before it was like you know super you know cool or whatever. I mean it was it was very it's very in instructive instructive about her life. You kind of get an idea of like who she actually is and and something she goes up against. And it made me I mean you know I've never been a huge Hillary fan, but I mean I I came out liking her better. Like it, it humanized her. But her emails. <laughs> yes, look where that got us right. And uh, yeah. 
<laughs> sounds sounds like uh, G Nice is back on on Daddy duty right now. <laughs> no, that's me. That's, me. that's Kevin. That's not me. <laughs> he yeah, ran in. Tough old burn. And actually, and also another thing I thought was interesting was that part of the reason why P- Putin went in so hard on messing up with our elections is that he didn't want to face her because she's always giving him shit when she was uh, running Secretary of State. Like he was, he yeah. respect, he hated her, talked bad about her, but he respected her. So he didn't want to deal with her. He wanted to deal with like a useful idiot like what we got now. So yeah. Yes, uh, awesome. <laughs> one other thing that I will say that I'm watching, which you should all get in on, is D Nice on Instagram. Ah, like live. I heard, uh, I heard this is just dope. It's it's pretty dope. I I I didn't check it out um, Saturday night, but then last night or whatever it was the first night I didn't check it out, but then Saturday night I tuned in and it was crazy. I mean, like he's circa our ages. You guys are a little bit younger than me, but he's like around our age now. Like this next one, he's got uh, Michelle Obama sort of wow. sponsoring or whatever. He's yeah. he was already doing like big parties and making a lot of money, but like after this, he had one hundred fifty thousand people in there on Saturday night. Saturday was 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 iconic because that was. Just, I mean, I I'm not a big Instagram like dweller. I use it mostly for work <laughs> to promote my work. But man, I kept seeing like like Club Quarantine hashtag Club Quarantine was the number one trending topic on Twitter. And so it was, like, a, it was the number one sport, topic on in the world at one in, point. In the world, yeah, it was it was nuts. So when I clicked through, I saw all these people. I mean, screenshotting like you know Michelle Obama popped in, Joe Biden popped. In, it was, I mean, it was hilarious. So I'm like, all right, let me yeah. check this out. Let me check this out. And it was it was nice. It was nice to see people in our times of uncertainty and quarantine all kind of come together to enjoy good music and, and you know, and just kind of share a communal but separate experience. That was nice. Well, I will say this. I do find this super interesting that, like, people in Redondo Beach, apparently, Huntington Beach, apparently, are going to the beach. But people who are actually staying in their spots, like, mm-hmm. I find it interesting that people are finding ways to still communicate and still, like, find things to do. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that's kind of cool. It's not the same thing as going to a club and watching him spin, but it's still cool that like people are talking about, yo, check this out, come do this. Like the Mm -hmm. fact that people like I, on Friday night, I got on a, whatever, a video chat and hung out. It was totally stupid, (laughs) but it was like, and you're like, and you're wondering like, well, shit, first of all, you probably saw friends you hadn't seen in a while. You're like, why haven't we been doing this all the entire time? (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I had friends who told me that like and I saw Karina did with her co-workers and I saw some people got on someone from my work said they got on overnight over the weekend and they played spades through the stop the, it stop yeah, it I, I still don't totally understand how they did it but <laughs> yeah neither do I don't understand that either well you know they, they probably you know, what they probably did was there, there's probably like a game like an online game they played and then oh, they yeah. video chat like the shit talk which sounds exceptional actually that sounds like a great <laughs> idea <laughs> Um, All right. The last thing I'm, I'm watching is Boomerang. Uh, I did. Um, <clears throat> I mean, it was it was about time. I was overdue for one of my yearly rewatches. It is 100 percent my absolute movie. favorite movie of all time. It's still a great fucking movie. It, it, I mean, as the kids say, it still slaps. It bangs. I love that movie. And what was great was I'm in this um, I'm in this Facebook group called uh, called The Watch. It's like a Facebook group for the Watch podcast from the Ringer Network. A very vibrant group, about 8,000 like you know media you know psychos <clears throat> and and so like about three or four of us were on there live blogging it because we all started watching at the same time like uh, i think 6 p.m on a friday 
and it was great because like me, this other dude, this other black dude about my age, and then this uh, this uh, young Brit, a millennial Brit uh, named Christy Josbury. Shout out to Christy if you end up hearing this because this thing came out the year she was born. So she'd never heard of some, so she was like, what's Mac Daddy? Like she, you know, she's British and she's young. She had no idea yeah. about any of this stuff. And it was funny because the entire time she's cataloging all these workplace violations and like, <laughs> oh, that's a lawsuit. Or, oh, why, you know, he can't talk to her that way. It was really funny. And Tyler, oh. Tyler did not age well for the millennials. So I had a blast. It was great getting her perspective in it. Uh, and, and also just watching a movie that I love, which I, of course I can quote backwards and forwards and watching someone discover it for the first time. I highly recommend it. The, the, the thing about a great anyone, whether they're a, a principal, a president, a coach, if you, if you are confident enough in your own abilities to put great people around you, it just lifts the whole thing. You got Tisha Campbell in a role that she had probably, what, 10 lines in the movie? She had like two Hey, scenes. girl, don't trust it. I mean, she probably shot it in like two days, right? I mean, yeah, she probably <laughs> shot it in a day. Uh, you got like Witherspoon. You got Robin Givens pre-Mike Tyson. You got Leela Rashawn. Uh, Martin. Gold star uh, for Marcus. It, absolutely amazing cast. And Eddie at his peak. This is when Eddie was truly showing, I can give you stand-up. I can give you buddy comedy i can do comedy on my own i can do characters now this was eddie saying i can be essentially romantic leading man yes. sit back and not have to be the guy with all the jokes i'm still smooth i'm still funny this is this is peak eddie murphy peak eddie murphy i think he was 28 at either time he filmed this or when it came out i mean he was 28 him. right here yes Yes. Wow. Because he started at 18, so I guess uh, makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like um, him, Martin Lawrence, uh, you know, David Allen Greer, all young, in their prime. Martin, I think, had the top show on, was it, was he on UPN or WB? I always get it confused. I think it was on WB, right? Uh, I, I know they end up merging, but whatever. He, he had a top yeah. show uh, on, on Thursday nights, you know, Marty Marr and stuff. I mean, Strange. Strange. You, girl. It's you, girl. I mean, just... Oh God! It's it's Earth the Kit. Come on! <laughs> yeah, this movie's great. This movie's still great. This and you know, it's true because Eddie, like people always think, like the funny guy, you'll put him in there and he'll do the romance. There's a lot of great comedians who cannot do the romantic comedy. They Not can't. Like as much as I like Chris Rock, he can't do it. Like nope. he he cannot deliver. Like Eddie can deliver a line, and that is not mm. nothing. He can deliver a line. He can be smooth. Even in those moments, like there's these moments like this where there's, it's a romantic comedy. <laughs> so he's just being the smooth guy. He still has those scenes where he cuts it up, but it's not over the top. It's like, what, what, like it's still really funny. It's still within context. He just has levels that most people can't do. Like Seinfeld can't do that. Like, no. Like, Seinfeld can't, do, can't deliver a line that you believe that he's not Jerry Seinfeld. Like, right. He's, <laughs> he's, he's funny and he's a, he's a, Hall of Famer, but like he, he cannot come anywhere near. Right, this. there's these moments where the comedian comes in and people have been trying to do it ever since. We like throw somebody else in there. It's fine, but it's, that takes talent. Like you have to be able to have these levels. He's a natural actor who's funny as shit. Yeah. yeah. Funny as shit and they try to make him actors. And, and, and he had, and he had a nice little comeback in, um, in, in the, the Dolomite, Dolomite. too. Yeah, yeah. It was good to see him work again. But he's just, <coughs> I mean, Eddie Murphy just peak. And just to violate real quick, uh, show a little bit of, of what we were talking about at the end um, of our of our live chat. 
you know, I'm not sure if you guys watched or, or listen, actually watched, listen to the podcast, The Rewatchables, another one in Bill Simmons' ringer. Network. I've heard that. Yeah, no, it's, 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 a, it's great. I mean, they do way too many for me to keep up with all, them all, but basically they have got these categories they kind of uh, uh, blow through each rewatchables. And so we, so we decided to apply that to Boomerang. So first, we, first what we did, most rewatchable scene, obviously we all decided it was Thanksgiving. Bang, 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 bang. Oh. <laughs> it's just iconic. You know, we got to coordinate all sort of stuff. And then <laughs> one guy said, at any time, Eddie checked the feet. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who won the movie? Who do you who do you have for who won the movie? Holly Berry. You know what? I said <coughs> Holly Berry too because she does triumph at the end. And you know Holly Berry. And I said, What are you talking about? Eddie Murphy won the movie. It's his movie. What do you what? That's ridiculous. Well, I did say Halle Berry at the end, but Eddie was Kang. I mean, top of his game, and it's a bit of a toss-up. It's like 50-50 to me. It could be either one. But Halle Berry does do the most dramatic glow-up in that movie because, come on, Robin Givens was just like peak hotness of her entire career for most of that movie. I mean, any movie that makes Halle Berry look ordinary for like half the movie – I mean, it's, 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 I mean, she was, she was, she was an incredible flex on Halle Berry's, I mean, on Halle Berry's part on her, on her glow up. And she does win technically, like she gets everything on her terms at the end. And it really does kind of elevate her into a top tier star. I mean, she was already, I mean, she was, I don't even think she was quite there yet. Like she was still on the come up. Like I think she'd done the last Boy Scout, you know, but she had yeah, up. She might've done Jungle Fever. I don't know if that was before or after this. But that didn't, that didn't, she was just a bit part. She was a crackhead. Like she was unrecognizable in Jungle Fever. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm saying she was, what's that? That's right. She was, she was, yeah, that's what she was with Sam Jackson in that movie, right? (laughs) Come on, just give me some, I mean, she was, yeah, Yeah. very, very believable. So then, and also another, another one is, um, is the, the Dion Waiters Award. Now, this one goes to the person who comes in with the least amount of minutes who gives the maximum impact on the game. <laughs> David Allen Greer. Or Witherspoon, I'm sure. Yeah, well, I, I picked Witherspoon. Uh, someone picked Chris Rock. Um, and then uh, my, my boy, Chris Osiris. Chris Rock has that great line, right? He's got that line, uh, first the fat boys break up, now this, nothing to believe in anymore. Malcolm yeah. X didn't die for you to be moping your ass around. <laughs> yeah, he had like He had like two scenes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah like, like three or four and he's always like pushing okay. that cart you know yeah. the office pool all sort of stuff uh and then eartha kit seemed to be kind of like i mean yeah. it was like five it's like five people it was like, it was like grace jones also right oh yeah she here puss 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 i can't say pussy <laughs> she like i totally want to watch this movie again right now <laughs> again you're you're putting all of these all of these home run hitters around you there's nowhere to throw in the lineup like yeah. Everybody's knocking it out of the park. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everybody on the best, top of the game. One of the best soundtracks ever to uh, Joey Pants. That's, that's right. Joey Pants Award. Uh, who's, the, who's the one who, like, the, the, that guy, the person who, you, oh, you've seen them before, but, you, you know, don't really know who they are, but they give, like, a, a fine performance. And this one I said it had to be Jeffrey Holder because everyone's kind of seen that guy, Nasty Nelson. Nasty Nelson, that's Jeff- me. Jeffrey Holder. Jeffrey Holder, yeah. Who is that? Is that, that the bald guy? Yeah, the bald guy, Nelson. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. He's, you know, at least you have any sausages in this one, Nelson. Oh, <laughs> he's just, I mean, he was always off the hook. He was great. Actually, let's look Jeffrey Holder up real quick because we've seen him in like, I think, <coughs> I think he was in like a, I want to see he was like in a Bond film or something, like a villain or whatever. But Jeffrey Holder is one of those guys. I don't, I don't know if, I wonder if he's still alive. Okay, he's still alive. Like he's, 84. Oh, um, 
Oh no, he died. Oh, I'm sorry. He died at 84 in 2014. Oh, but yeah, he's one of those guys who I guess had like a, a huge long career. Uh yeah, I knew it. Yeah. Yes, he right. was he was a Bond villain. Yeah, that guy. And he's had that deep voice and mm-hmm. Annie. Yeah, there we go. Live and let die. Jacques Kodo in the house. Yeah, Jeffrey Holder. I wonder if they'll have a they, they, I guess they'll have a boomerang shot of him, but he's he was one of those like kind of classic uh like you know long-running actors who just had a presence so that was my that was my mm-hmm. vote for the joey pants that guy award uh uh-huh. and then the overacting he knew the the mark uh <laughs> they call it the the mark ruffalo he knew overacting award and and everyone said like not, no one really maybe i put maybe david allen greer because he was just so corny he was uncomfortable yeah <laughs> he was so good in that movie though he was he such was. a like good dude he yeah. was perfect in there, there really wasn't an overacting part per se. I mean, if I mean, if, I mean, it's all like a heightened comedic reality. And everyone really yeah. played their part. I mean, I mean, if you had to pick someone, maybe him, maybe Tisha Campbell. Yeah, maybe Tisha. You know, what are you? My size, my height, my weight, doggy style. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So good, that whole thing bags. And then the last one would be um, oh, it's, uh, half ass internet research. We'll skip that because we all know the, the history behind that backwards forward. But the other one would would this work as a ten episode Netflix series? And I said, look, they already have <laughs> ten episode yes. BT series. They're like That's, in season two or three or something. Yeah, yeah, they are. And I saw, I saw like the first three episodes, and it was fine. Like I didn't I, I didn't hate on it. it. It seemed like it might be okay. It was Lena Waithe was you know was behind it, but I just never mm. caught up to it because I mean I think we switched to. Um, to uh youtube tv and i just you know they don't have they don't have viacom channels and so i never really kept uh, yeah i think i saw the first they did the first two as a as a uh pilot like a one hour the two episodes it's got the kid from that was in everybody hates chris as the older Quan Richmond, the younger yeah. brother yeah to Quan Richmond with the, with the with the mustache uh see it seems you know fine fun like you like you i didn't keep up with it because there's a billion things to watch yeah, but um, so must be doing something right because they got another season. So, well, I mean, well, I, I mean, actually, I, I this is probably out of you know pocket. I have no idea how BT or BT Plus is doing. I I can't imagine it's doing that great because who's gonna pay ten bucks for BT? I'm just saying. But they have a show. That it's going on. They're trying to do original scripted programming. It might be great. I have no idea. <clears throat> for me, I mean, I like Lena Waithe as an idea. Uh, and that she's giving people jobs and stuff, but I, I mean, I haven't been totally blown away by her stuff yet, except for that that episode of Master of Not, of None was great. Um, Queen of Slim, I think she ushered in was, you know, it it's, it had some problems, but it was entertaining, you know. But I don't know. I I, I enjoy I enjoy the shy. We enjoy the shy. It should be interesting how they survive without. Um, homeboy that played Easy E because he's off. The oh, show. Jason Mitchell. Yeah, he's been canceled. <laughs> which which is which is. He's a great actor, so it's unfortunate that he has all these other issues going on. Yeah. Because um, I suppose he got kicked off of a Netflix movie before the thing with The Shy. So. Oh, goodness. But um, I watched The Shy. Queen and Slim, I think, beautifully shot, wonderfully acted. The story, to me, had problems. Yeah. I think you, you did a great job uplift, uplifting the black female, but then you, the black male made some decisions that were just like, Whoa. Yeah, exactly. They were very bad, not realistic or smart decisions. Agreed. 
Uh, well, you know, I had a blast in Boomerang, and we, you know what, honestly, Boomerang needs his own podcast. Maybe we'll do one one day, or maybe we'll do a group watch. That might be fun, too. But um, I will keep it moving because we can do this all day. So moving on to the next segment. This week, it is our top three post-apocalyptic movies. You need to name a movie that paints either a dystopian, ravaged future, or one where humanity is struggling to survive after an extinction-level event. So this does not mean you can do World War Z because that is when the apocalypse is happening. We need to have it post-apocalypse, after what? shit's gone down, after we are struggling in a, in a wasteland and a landscape that's, that's, uh, that's not known to, uh, to current uh, eyes. And wait, so basically- wait, What, that, those are the rules? <laughs> those are the rules. But it's a, it could be a dystopian future, so it doesn't, doesn't have to be necessarily a wasteland per se. Well, yeah, right. Like, I mean, well, well, you didn't right now. It's not over yet. So wait, let me get this straight. So just so I know the rules, so I could break them. You <laughs> say that we World War Z doesn't count because the zombies are coming at them at that moment. It's just happening. Yes, yes, that doesn't count. But if they had built a little cottage and the zombies were still out there, it counts. Yes, that counts. Okay. Ooh. ooh hmm. See, look at that. Look at that. Yeah, like, like, just, like, like the zombies won or, or humanity had to retreat and you're living in retreat. That counts. There's, there's, I just made me think of one is why I said, hmm. No, no. Yeah, was, damn, Greg Lice had a good point. Uh, no. <laughs> well, I got, I got some in mind too. Uh, and so, and basically the way the game works, uh, we alternate picks. Once someone picks a movie, that movie is out of play. So you need a bit of strategery if you want to keep up with this People are never going to pick mine. <laughs> yeah, we probably are. You are very probably obscure. will. You're very obscure at misanthropic. All right, so hey, Kevin, since you were- Can we say this though, two things very quickly. Mm. One, we should just give a shout out to Lost, even though- <coughs> TV show, doesn't count, but yes, Lost. But it is it, totally enjoyable, absolutely ridiculous. And mm. two, since you took it off the board, World War Z is a fantastic, fun, awesome, every single time I watch that movie, it's consistently good. Yes, great movie. And actually, I didn't realize that the that Max Brooks, like the the author, the the book and the screenplay. I know he did screenplay. I'm not sure if he did the book, but he. I mean, I had no idea he was like Mel Brooks' son. Like Mel Brooks still spitting him out at 46 because as Max Brooks, like 47, his dad's like 93. They did that whole PSA on like social distancing and stuff. And when they when they said their ages, I was like, whoa, there's hope for me. I got a couple years. <laughs> Max Brooks still spitting, spitting out, you know, seeds at forty-six. Good for him. All right, uh, <laughs> all right. So yeah, so since Kevin was D one on time out of all three of us, he has my technical difficulties. Awesome. Uh, you get to go first, and I pre- think I have a pretty good idea where you're going to go because you're a strategic motherfucker like myself. So I go ahead, take it off the board. No, Listen, can, I, I I, can I guess yours? Can I guess yours? No. <laughs> you can say you were right after I say it, but you can't guess. Because if you guess and, and you're wrong, then you're taking something, you know, it ruins the fun. Excellent point. Thank you for playing by the rules, Kate. So, so again, there, there are a, there's obviously a lot that comes to mind. I'm going to go with, with, to me, the obvious choice. One of the great post-apocalyptic movies of all time. Uh, the, cent- the centerpiece, the middle piece of a trilogy which is okay. always sort of a great way to go. I don't know, they maybe, they maybe made a fourth one of these, but The Road Warrior, Mel Gibson. Oh, okay. Uh, the original Road Warrior, 
Okay. So predictable. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So, so the first Road Warrior, or you no, 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 Road Warrior. The second, the first one was called Mad Max. Second uh -huh. one was called uh, Road Warrior. Third one was called Tupac Video. Oh, Mad Max: The Road Warrior. Okay, gotcha. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess they did make a fourth one with uh, Tom different Hardy. Max. Yeah, Tom Hardy and Charlize, where Charlize totally stole that movie from. That's another. Story. That shit was fucking good, though. Yeah. It was. Also, also Zoe Kravitz in that. So there's <laughs> yeah, possibly a theme yeah. tonight. That movie was great, but this one. I think this is where, because the first one was more dramatic, similar to the Alien franchise. The first one was more dramatic and suspenseful. The second one is just pure action. It's just similar to, you know, that sort of set the tone for the rest of the, the series where you've got Max, he's out there with his uh, car and his gun and his wits. And he's, he's becomes this hero to this small community. He's fighting through all these crazy fun villains the guy with the the mask on and the uh microphone the guy with the mohawk you got the little kid running around crazy very fun movie i'm sure you oh, all there we go there he goes the mohawk remember. guy the mohawk guy with his little uh his little friend <laughs> sitting in the back there oh look how young mel gibson is pre-racism awesome well, <laughs> racism ages you man racism ages you <laughs> That guy with the little with the little uh, helicopter thing and the and the crossbow. Fantastic movie, fantastic series. That's all I got to say. All right, excellent. All right, and so I know since I know uh, G Nice is still scrambling for. I am not. I am not. But you go. You go. I'm. I'm bit, dude, I yeah, no, Well, you know, uh, you're the guest here. It has been a couple years. I will let you go first if you. I want. don't want to go first. Go ahead. I will <laughs> let you have your choices. Well, uh, since you took what seemed like to me the most obvious one, uh, uh, since you didn't take the most obvious one off the board, I'm taking the absolute recently most obvious one off the board, even though it was discussed recently um, in, on another podcast. I mean, it's just, it's just too obvious to let go. I am legend, of course. You got to do it. You, you just got to do it. I mean, Will yeah. Smith, you know, I'm, I mean, since people who do follow this podcast already heard us wax poetic about it last week with our guest, Karen Brundage. Brundy, shout out. Um, yeah, a man, his dog, and the apocalypse. Alice Braga stopped by with her kid. You know, that's cool for a minute. Sure. Um, a little Sally Richardson, right? Sally Richardson, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, it's just, it's, and this is like an actor showcase. It's just basically you, you know, mm. uh, you know, kind of like this is his castaway. This is Will Smith's, you know, uh, one man tour de force. And it was great. It was engaging. You know, you know, it was, it was scary. I remember seeing this. And this is definitely a shout out to to another tripod, the, the Fempod, uh, a.k.a. Uh, uh, Monet, Monet Moore and, and Nick Ward, a.k.a. the official therapist of the pod. We went, we used to go see uh, openings in, in summer times as a group when I lived in L.A. And we'd always go to the to the Grove and we'd go see the Midnight Movie. And I remember being like the first row for this you know, the three of us, and, and I think uh, Valencia and our boy Derek Brooks, and I just remember being, I remember Valencia, she's such a scary cat, she saw the entire movie through her fingers, because <laughs> she was so scared and freaked out, because I mean, zombies are scary, you know. Valencia so, Parker? Valencia Walker. Oh. She's actually hmm. a doctor, um, I think she might be like a traveling doctor now, but yeah, and I, you know, fun fact, Valencia, she actually used to date the guy who ended up creating, um, uh, uh will packer and all that stuff so she's the will oh. packer so yeah she actually i think she, she might even have a, a writing credit on twa or something i'm like oh my goodness <laughs> that movie was hot garbage but congratulations <laughs> congratulations hey 
Yeah, so yeah, so I'm Legend, you know, Zombies, the Apocalypse, you know, Will Smith trying to doctor his way into a cure, and it was very is thrilling. Very and th- God, this is, oh, this is Willow. Wow. Is that Willow? Oh, Willow yeah. Smith. In, in a flashback scene. Oh, yeah. Well, the, the good Apocalypse movies, to me, the ones that are good are the ones that are hard to watch. <laughs> because they're super stressful. Yes. Right? They're like, exactly. Yeah, and this, this movie's not, this movie has really, really stressful moments. Francis Lawrence. It's got, that, it's got that, it's got that, like, crazy breathing zombie, right? The one where he follows the dog into the, there's the scene where he follows the dog into, like, the building, and he's, like, shining the light, and he's covering the light. And you see the thing breathing, 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 breathing. Just like, <laughs> fuck you, let me get out of there fast. Like those, those are, that's what makes that movie. Like the, the, those good movies are the ones that are just like so incredibly stressful. And there's a number of scenes. When he's hanging upside down and the dog is barking, that's another one where you're just like, I want to fast forward the scene really quickly. Yes. Yeah, co-written by Kiva Goldsman, you know, legend. You know, himself. I didn't, here's a, I didn't, I never loved the title. And like the connection, like yeah. I thought that part was kind of weak. The, well, it was like, based on a novel, right? Was it what? based on a novel? I Am Legend, I think. I think <coughs> it's like with the Marley, right? That's the whole reason they're playing the music the whole time. And he talks about like a better world. I just thought that was a little philosophical. It was whatever. I don't care. He's alone. He's bored. But right. I was just like, I don't know. Huh. I Am All Legend, right. I don't know. It could have been like Man and the Dog. You know what I mean? <laughs> Man is up. Not All right, well, you're up, G Nice. What, what you well, got? You All right. Uh, well, okay, so uh, let me see here. Uh, uh, I'm trying to figure out what order I want to go in. You, you'll never get them either way. Um, uh, so we're not using it, so we have to do a quick shout out to the most recent Mad Max, which is fucking awesome. Yes. Um, yes. The uh, Fury Road. Fury Road. Um, I just don't know. Okay, so I will go backwards. So the um, a quiet place. Oh, excellent choice! Excellent choice. It's really, really good. It's super annoying and it's incredibly stressful to watch. Yes, but it's very, very good, and I'm excited about the sequel. And the scene where she gives birth was just nuts. <laughs> yeah, have you seen that movie, KG? I have not seen it. I'm not. I'm not a big horror fan, although I've heard amazing things about this. It's on my list, even though you already spoiled it. Not really horror. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah that's the thing. It was, I don't do horror. It was, like it was billed. It was billed as a horror movie. It's it yes, but it's more like a thriller. Like I mean, well, I guess yeah. that this this term is it might be a stretch of this term, but like a social thriller to an extent, where like what happens to society when you can't speak because aliens might get you. And it's obnoxious. Really Everything about it is obnoxious. Like it, I remember Karina had to talk me into watching it. I was like, I don't want to fucking watch visual the whole time. But it's very <laughs> good. And again, it's crazy stressful. It's not fun to watch at all. And it's just really, really good. Mm-hmm. It's thoughtful. It's smart. It's well done. Even the like the even sound the- mixing is incredible too. Because I mean, you're living in a world without sound, and it's like all of a sudden, like the jump scares are really heightened when you go a long time without like dialogue and stuff. I also feel like any sort of world where you have to create a, a, a monster is always like super cheesy to me and sort of over yeah. the top. And like now there's this push to like make them look even more different. But mm-hmm. this was just good. Like the monster was fine, but it was like, whatever. There's, there's the bad guy. That's not the story. The story is like the stress, like even the walking on the sand, all that shit was so clever. Yeah. 
<clears throat> yeah, creating like like a, a silent world for the for the hearing is just de definitely very interesting. Yeah, excellent choice, G Nice. Off the top rope, very strong. All right, what course, are you, what's, man, of course. I don't need to know <laughs> nothing in advance. So what's your second pick, KG? What you got? Number two. Oh, oh yeah. number two for me. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with, with one of my favorite movies, uh, Children of Men. Oh, nice. And you totally wanted to say it, didn't you? Uh, it was on the list. Uh, I, just, on the list. I, got, I got backups. <laughs> I mean, it, it's poetic on it, KG. Uh, Clive Owen, shit away, however you say his name. Uh, <laughs> just a <laughs> great movie about a guy sort of who's, who's drafted into this position to help this young lady out and, and in a way save the world uh, in not so many words. Clive Owen is his usual sort of gritty grounded self. That was Claire and, Hope uh, Ashety. Wow. Okay. What else has she been in? She was in, um, she was in seven seconds. She was like, mm -hmm. like the, the main detective on that, you know, one, one season and, and done uh, Netflix series. And then also I saw her on this, uh, this I've been, I've been kind of getting sucked into BritBox. I mean, I don't have BritBox, but it's like, I'm in like a British frame of mind these days. And so I've watched a lot of like, you know, because BBC has like, they have like a really highly efficient, like called Britficient system where they do like six to eight episodes and they're done. And she was on, on, uh, on a couple seasons or series of uh, oh. Dr. Foster, uh, the, the, the woman who plays um, the lead in um, the HBO show, A Gentleman Jack. Her name is Saran Jones. She's, I guess, oh. a bit of a, of a, of a British um, uh, TV legend. <clears throat> and so she's playing like the lead in Dr. Foster. And she was, was like, a, like maybe third lead on that show. And I just keep seeing her in, in odd places with a mix of accents sometimes. She's just, she's just good. Yeah, she's, she's good. But yeah, solid movie. There's there's two sequences in particular that are like you know several minutes long. They make it feel like it's one long take. Yeah, the uh, steady cam shot with him going through the building. I'll never forget that. At the end, that's, but then also the thing when the car gets stopped and they got to go in reverse and the sort of guys are coming down the hill. They're like having this sweet conversation between the family and and all of a sudden everything goes haywire. Uh, and just sort of the plot twists that go along with it, the betrayals and the sort of shaky allies and Michael Caine being Michael Caine. Um, great movie. All right, good choice. Uh, have you, you, You've seen Children of Men, right, G-Nice? I have, but I'm going to say that I never, I know you, I remember years ago you told me you loved it. I have always been indifferent about that movie. I just uh, okay. it, I <clears throat> no, I, I loved it too. I thought it was, I think it was like in my top 10 for that year. Yeah, you used to talk about it all the time. And I was like, why? <laughs> <laughs> yes, our writing partnership in a nutshell. All right, so my second, <laughs> my second movie is The Book of Eli. It's another obvious choice. Denzel obviously is my favorite actor of all time, period. And also, I just, I mean, it's such an obvious choice. I had to take it off the board before it went too long. I mean, just Bible thumping, you know, um, you know, uh, 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 Eli just kind of wandering through. You know, what? I'm, I mean, it's not much of a, well, I guess it is a spoiler, but if you haven't seen it by now, that's on you. The guy's blind. <laughs> going through the whole thing blind. And you just think, oh, he likes his sunglasses. But no, he's blind. And he's really, really in tune <laughs> with his senses. And he's <laughs> allegedly carrying, like, you know, <clears throat> the last copy of the Bible around the earth. Okay. But he's, he's memorized it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's in his head. Exactly. Yeah. He's memorized. It's in his head it. is right. Yeah. It's not. It's not a braille version. It's he's. Yeah. He's memorized yeah. the whole thing. 
Yeah, exactly. He memorized it. And so, and he has to stay alive in order to keep the Bible alive. And I don't know, I'm not very religious. So, you know, you know, whatever, but I think it's a really cool idea. <laughs> very, you know, very iconic. The Hughes brothers, man, what happened to those? Yeah. What are they up to? They're, uh, they're doing documentaries. They split up. Uh, I can't remember. One of them did some really good documentary recently. I want to say it was, uh, it was the Eminem Dre stuff. It was the Eminem Dre thing for oh. part of for HBO. One of them did that. And I think they may be coming back together to do something, but the, you don't find out that he's carrying the book until the very end. Is that right? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't find out that, and also, I mean, do, do we find out that he's? We found out that he's blind like earlier. Oh my gosh, you guys are killing it. No, they don't find out that he's blind until oh, yeah. like at least halfway through. Yeah, and then, of course. Look at that, Jennifer Beals. Jennifer Beals, clap it up. <laughs> strong J, strong J. Yes, another mixed brother, another hot mixed brother. Yeah. Um, from Chicago. Listen, can I talk about the movie now? Okay, Please. yeah, go for this it. This was on my list as well. I recognize ah! that I will actually say this, that I was going to say that this is not actually a very, like the movie doesn't really make sense. <laughs> but but it's, it's awesome. It's so, it's, this is essentially, this movie is about, this movie is like Denzel playing Daredevil. It's yes. like, it's a superhero movie and it's so awesome. And it's so cool. And all the little details, it's so much fun. Again, the movie doesn't really make sense. And, and Gary is <laughs> kind of absurd. But it's such a cool movie. And it's so visually fun. Even the first, like, 20, the first three minutes where he's shooting the, the squirrel. Like, even that weird visual is just so interesting and fun. Like, I thought she was totally miscast. Mila Kunis? <laughs> yeah, like, he, she can't, like. I didn't mind. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's, she was fine. But, like, she doesn't bring the same weight that he brings. Right. Um, I thought she did a good job, but I felt like she was kind of like the goofy part of the movie. Um, <laughs> but it was great. I mean, I I, I I will always watch this movie when I see it. It's just ridiculous, and the ending is ridiculous, but it doesn't matter. It's just great. All right. So what's your th what's yeah. what's your second movie, G Nice? My second movie because I have to move some stuff around now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how do you think we would not think of the book of eli you know denzel's my man come on man. i know but I, that's a it's a it's a look let's be honest it's not like a huge movie it was like a small kind of strange movie that movie made over 100 million easy you know but it was yeah, but it wasn't like about? it wasn't like people i don't know that seemed a little that seemed a little small for you and you like to do the big ones um okay so Ow, my he's indicting my kids he says i'm one-dimensional okay go uh, i'm saying like i'm saying like man that was not that's not like a was it a blockbuster hit I, I i'm pretty sure it made 100 million yeah but that's just because his name was on it's not like we, anyway that's a lot of money thing. it's not not a lot of money okay so this is this is 157 million yeah almost 100 million domestic so anyways go ahead <laughs> um i feel like ed and you and i switched places this is what i thought you were sorry i was expecting kevin to say was Terminator 2. Oh. Mm. Um, okay. Terminator we'll, we'll allow it. It goes back and forth between yeah. the, the apocalypse and, and current day. What? It, of course you allow it. it that is the that is Star Wars <laughs> genre. Well, well the, well, the bulk of it takes place in like, you know, present day or whatever. Terminator uh, 1 does, but Terminator 2 starts in the future already. No, no, true. I mean, no, I, we'll allow it. Go ahead. I mean, it's a, explain it. Are you shaking your head? Are you about to say it, it doesn't count? No, I'm saying it's a great movie, and I was going to start talking, but I wanted to allow it's a, you. It's to. a great movie, and it's like this is this is like the perfect. Like this is a. It's again, this is movies totally absurd, but it's like the perfect <laughs> popcorn. It's so much fun. It makes zero sense. She's fucking badass. So her, she's amazing. Cooler. 
like like all the stuff that Cameron is weird about like he he was just he was killing it on this movie the, the, like, the special effects are, are incredible i think he won oscars for him didn't he i mean the effects they're they, they were I'm i mean sure they, they still won. hold up today and they were groundbreaking at the time yeah, yeah i mean i still like the first one better but this one's like the better like the first one's better but i figured you would give me a hard time about the future um <laughs> but the second one's sort of the, <laughs> the second one's sort of like because some of the some of the stuff in Terminator One is kind of like the special effects are kind of funky, um, but but Terminator Two was like just fucking great. Did either of y'all see the the latest Terminator, the one that brought back Linda Hamilton? I did not. I did not. I I, I did, and I mean, I I I kind of fell asleep on it. I don't know. I just oh. wasn't. I mean, I, people, I heard people really liked it. I can't say I remembered that well. Yeah. The transition of Linda Hamilton from the end of Terminator 1 to Terminator 2 is like incredible. Just like she, she knows what the future is and it is shit and she is ready for it. Like she's not the, the you know, scared little girl sort of crawling across the floor in the, in the uh, discotheque. What was it called? I just, it was on TV. I watched like half of it the other day. It's called like Club Noir or something, something crazy. She's totally scared, crawling across the floor as Arnold is coming out of here. But instead, she's the one who's like, in, in all of these movies, you have these moments like in the first uh, Terminator when the guy comes, he's like, come with me if you want to be, if you want to stay alive. That moment, same moment that um, Fucked up the line. Mel Gibson, whatever, same moment that Mel Gibson has. <laughs> it's like the iconic line. It's not whatever. <laughs> Fucked it all up. <laughs> Same moment in uh, Road Warrior when Mad Max sits there and everybody's trying to figure out how they're going to make it. He's like, basically, come with me if you want to stay alive. Same line, same gist, same It hurt just as bad when you it. the second time. Yeah, great. <laughs> All right, so all right, so that's a good one, G-Nice. Well played. Uh, KG, your final pick. What do you got? I have a few honorable mentions. honorable mentions, which I will wait to the end for. Okay. But another big obvious one, because that's what we're doing, the big blockbuster ones, is The Matrix. Set off, ah. a, set off a trilogy, classic, changed the way fight sequences were shot. They came up with the whole bullet time thing. Everyone knows the story. It was supposed to be Will Smith in this role. He they, they started talking to him about bullet time. He was like, I don't know what the fuck you guys are talking about. I'm out. Uh, Keanu stepped really? in. I didn't know that. Are you, yeah. Hold on. Are you serious? That's like, that's like Hollywood legend. That's, everyone knows that. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has he talked about it? He's like, I fucking. He talked about it recently. I, recently mean, I think I saw it recently on something. Yeah, no, he's been talking about it for years and it's been well known for years, but he's opened up like, I think within the last three or four years about how he totally, yep, I missed that one. I totally whiffed on it. They, they offered to me, I couldn't get it. I went off to do Wild Wild West instead. <laughs> yep, yep. But you've got Carrie Ann Moss sort of breaking through into the mainstream. You got, you got your obligatory Joey Pants. Um, Lawrence Fishburne as the Yoda, if yeah. you will, the Obi-Wan. And, you know, it's a classic tale. You kind of know what's coming a little bit at the end. Red pill, blue pill. <laughs> a million uh, cultural references that are still alive today. I love the second movie. I know people don't. I like um, it. I like the second movie. I think that one had actually better action than the first. Yeah. The, 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 act, the, the action in the first one was amazing. In the second one, they took it to another, a whole other level. But 
post-apocalyptic. Nuts. <laughs> uh, yeah, there it is. Great yeah, movie. Matrix. No, I mean it's it's funny. I didn't even think of it for this, but you're absolutely right. It is a post-apocalyptic future, one where everyone's like you know drones are plugged into a computer that runs everything. I mean it's it, it's 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 scary, but it's exciting, interesting. There's definitely some thrills. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's a classic. It's an absolute classic. I, I introduced my mom to it a while ago. I think they brought it out on like IMAX <clears throat> back when we still had theaters. <laughs> and mm. and she, that was the first time she saw it and she enjoyed it too. It's it's a hit for all time. Yeah, it's a hit. <laughs> oh, it's a hit. It's a there hit. There you movie. go. Play your role, Gene Ice. Play no, no, no. It's, on the Matrix. it's constantly entertaining. Didn't make enough money for you? <laughs> well, it just didn't really make sense, but it was fun. It was totally fun. <laughs> And I also, I remember thinking the third, by the time it got to the third one, there's just too much shooting. <laughs> and too much time outside of the Matrix in the third one. Yeah, just like, there, it was such a cool moment the first time you did it, but now it's just like, there are bullets in every single shot. <laughs> well, <laughs> the problem with the third one is like, once we know he can beat up everyone, like, there's no danger. Like, right. you know, like, you know he's going to win. And then when you keep him out of the Matrix, it's like, I don't really want to see him out of the Matrix because it's just Keanu in a, in a fucking burlap sack. <laughs> yeah. There's also a weird moment. I think it was the second or third one when, when um, Roy Jones had a line. <laughs> yeah. That was, the third <laughs> was, one. That was, that was the second one. That was the second one. And Jada was in it. That was the second one, I think. And did it, did it, did it, uh, Professor, uh, didn't Cornell yes, West? Cornell West. Cornell West was in the third That's one. That's what it was just before like. Before he broke bad. Before Cornell broke bad. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. No, that's that's a great pick. Well done. Um, I will do my last one. And like you, there's so many I probably could have mentioned. But I, since I'm apparently the obvious one in the group, the the soulless blockbuster. Wait a minute. I expected out. you to do Terminator so I could do my Book of Eli, but whatever. We made a switch, it happened. <laughs> All right, this one. I don't know how obvious it was, but it showed up on a list when I was doing my my you know little research. It's Avengers Endgame. Yeah, apocalypse of snap. That's you are you are you are flirting with the rules, my friend. Flirting what? with the rules. I mean, the, half the movie is is when when half of humanity has been erased. <laughs> that is the definition of apocalypse. Well, I mean, it's it's yeah. it's the big screen version of the leftovers. It's it's apocalypse. It's bad. Everyone's gone. People are are, are distraught. Where's Tony Stark? All the sort of stuff, you know. So. Or, or no, actually, yeah. or, actually, he's a where's you know, Mr. Stark? I don't feel so good, you know, all that sort of. I mean, it was bad, but I mean, Avengers yeah. Endgame. I think, I mean, once we separate our feelings about how the whole MCU business plan and stuff and whatnot, I mean, once, once I think history will be will look very kindly not only on, on the entire you know Marvel Cinematic Universe, but the way they they finished. I mean, there's been a lot of talk in general fandom circles uh, in pop culture about things sticking landings. Actually, I think too much talk, to be honest. I mean, none of these motherfuckers know how to write. None of these motherfuckers have gotten anything, you know, made a producer sold or whatever. But there is an emphasis these days in pop culture on how things end. We give, and, and because some things we, maybe it's because of social media has, has gotten so big that it's allowed every you know, person to have their opinion or whatever, but I think you know, there's been overemphasis on how things end and putting too much pressure on people to end things correctly or well, but in, here's a case, a huge bet, a huge 20 year or a 20 film bet or whatever, that uh, a, a plan which, is, which was perfectly executed that ended probably the best way it could have made a ton of money, flirted with some Oscar talk, although never got it, of course. And it was just 
good lord, there's like a thousand, <laughs> there's a thousand images on this damn thing. So it might be a while before you get some, some real live action. But it basically, it was iconic for a lot of different reasons. It had some, it had some stakes involved. We lost some people we loved. It kind of, you know, set a new generation in motion, et cetera, et cetera. It did everything it needed to do. And even better yet, it was the second half of like a two-part finale. A lot of room for error here. Largely done in secret. Nobody knew what to expect, you know, outside the MCU, and it largely delivered. So yeah, Avengers Endgame and the and the apocalypse of basically having half humanity, half of the galaxy just gone in a snap from the previous movie. Um, it you know it was real. Like they were dealing. You you saw Captain America in therapy for crying out loud. I mean, <laughs> they they treat it in in as real a way as you could possibly expect a comic book movie to do. And I I salute I salute it. Kevin Feige yeah. and all. I salute you. Yeah, it was a, it was a great cap to this this ten year sort of run for them. It'll it will be interesting to see how they redefine themselves as they introduce these new characters because we've grown to love all these other people. But as a non comic book fan, like I knew Iron Man a little bit, I didn't know him, you know, that well. So to be able to take these characters that are were not really in the mainstream psyche and make them like household names is, is an incredible job. And, you know, we'll see where they go from here. And obviously with Feige sort of pulling strings and the way they're like bringing in great directors and great actors and all that sort of stuff, uh, I'm, I'm sure I'll enjoy all the movies to come. I would dare say, and I know, I know G-Nice is going to hate on this, and that's fine. I'm, I'm ready for you. I would dare say that Iron Man, the original, is one of the most important films in cinematic history. I mean, considering <coughs> what it set up, considering, I mean, there, the, the stakes were low when going into it. No one really thought it would be what it would be. But that makes it even better because they came in, they, they under-promised and over-delivered, and it ended up being one of the most important films in cinematic history because it essentially birthed this whole idea, this whole concept of, of like, you know, a complex, multi-layered, interconnecting, you know, network of movies over time that really has, you know, upended, you know, Hollywood's business model to an extent. Now everyone wants to have a universe. Now, you know, especially with the, the relative success of The Invisible Man, now there's talk again of Universal trotting out the Monsters universe. You know, everyone's trying to connect the universe. DC, the DCEU, to lesser success, tried doing extended universe. Everyone wants, everyone wants to do an extended universe, and it all started with Iron Man. I would say, to your point, Eduardo, I would say, th- to your point, they will talk about Iron Man and the MCU the same way people talk about Jaws, as far as like Jaws was the first movie that sort of was a blockbuster and sort of got people thinking about that blockbuster model. And in this, the summer, especially, yeah. Yeah, to your point, is it really brought superheroes to the forefront. Now, like, what you saw post-corona in theaters, 50% of it was either a blockbuster, like a, a superhero movie or a horror movie, or somebody who was trying to be some sort of superhero type of movie. So right. all the smaller films are being pushed out, and those stories are turning into limited series and you know 10 episode like the british model that sort of a a television quote-unquote series whereas the theaters are sort of being dominated by these superheroes and these temple movies only yeah yeah. go big or stay home like literally like stream at home (laughs) yeah 
that that might be you're right that might be the post corona uh, formula after i mean if these theaters survive and obviously at cinema draft we have a vested interest in keeping them alive uh, but even you know if they how they survive which ones do survive and what kinds of films we see make it to the screen will maybe a lot different than even you know the 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 trans the transition period we've been going through the last several years where it's been a struggle for a lot of smaller movies to make it even in you know multiplexes it's just it's just challenging a lot of these movies are being steered towards home so and now that these these studios have had a taste of direct to consumer streaming and bypassing theatrical windows and since and it'll be interesting to see what kind of figures and numbers come out of this it might be hard for them to you know to try out something anything less than a tentpole blockbuster to the theater seeing how there's an appetite and audience for people at home i don't yep. know and, and you're right in the middle of it. You're the work. You're our WBW, our working black writer. You're there in Hollywood. You're. I think you're a free agent right now. I mean, you know, it's you nowhere. Know, you know, we're. You know, you can tell us firsthand when you sign your next deal or sell your next you no know, script or movie or help someone else produce their own script. Maybe who knows? You know. Right. I mean, you can tell us what the what the lay of the land is. You know, once everything gets back to normal. But right now, I mean, and actually, quick cultural cul-de-sac. Are deals being done right now? Deals are being done now. There, there are. There are some writers' rooms that got early pickups that are already starting. They're doing Zoom rooms, basically. Sweet. Where writers are meeting and working and breaking stories. I talked to a friend uh, who's on Walker, Texas Ranger. They just started this week. Uh, I talked to another friend who's on All American, and they were finishing up, doing some episodes uh, for the next season. Okay. And they're, they're meeting via Zoom, and it's uh business is continuing to a certain extent so oh that's excellent all right well and, and also you know, my my follow-up question then we'll try to you know steer out of the cul-de-sac after this because we could definitely talk about the industry for a while when i'm concerned but uh my other question is are they also are they also doing work somewhat as usual on the writer end to stockpile scripts in the event in the possibility of a strike and how are we looking strike wise well uh the 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 Corona has sort of changed everything. They were supposed to start negotiations with the companies. I believe it was this week or the next week, but they're holding off on that, all things considering, and sort of taking measured steps to sort of evaluate how they're going to move forward. The writers may indeed uh, continue to work without a contract after May 1st, <laughs> most likely, just just because of the, the circumstances with, with quarantines and it's hard for... <clears throat> What they're saying, it's hard to really make these deals and get them done unless you're in the room with where it happens, so to speak. Right. Uh, where, where I don't even know how it works, but conversations happening all over the room where these different deal points are being discussed, <clears throat> I'm imagining. So uh, we're, we're going to wait and see. We're not, I don't, you know, we'll see what happens. Streaming residuals is the big, uh, the big point that would, would trigger something. But at this point, before I would say people definitely didn't want to strike and didn't want to stop working because there was so much on the table. I would say both the writers and the companies have every reason to keep things moving uh, work-wise. Deadline always shills for the companies. They always- They really do. <laughs> They're such a company rack. <laughs> because, you know, companies buy, buy ad space on Deadline and we do not, so. Right. 
You know, and you can see in the comments too. Anytime I I dip into the oh, comments yeah. and the writers, and like, it's just I mean, anonymous. It's almost like anonymous agent is just like talking shit. <laughs> anonymous, anonymous has a lot of shit to talk. <laughs> you know, yeah. All right, so that, that was mine. Didn't mean to to steer us totally off track. Uh, G nice. Well, okay. So two things. You two things. <laughs> um, one, the Avenger, the Avengers movies have been excellent when i was a kid growing up reading comics i never in a wildest dreams thought this would be like this this is great it's the it's fantastic that movie was so much fun it's exactly what like most of the characters look the way i want like tony stark is never this popular in the comics but whatever um, <laughs> and it got me to quit making fun of you for all your comic books <laughs> right that and that was the goal so success <laughs> like like this is to me these worlds they've created like dc can't do it as well which makes me sad but this is really really good that's because they had Zack snyder set up as their godfather oh my god what a what a clown well, <laughs> i think this 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 Batman black Widow movie never came out did it, it hasn't come out yet no no it was going to come out may 1st and to me that seemed to be like you know the one where if they move that then then you know half summer is definitely going to be gone and that's exactly what happened now and now it's been put on hold indefinitely which is smart because they just kind of want to see that if they're going to open up theaters in three months, whatever, they don't want to say, oh, we're, we're sending it back to like November or some nonsense. They want to have it ready to go as soon as possible. Yeah, I would say that's going to be a true test of the universe because she's a character that we, I mean, I personally, she doesn't really have powers. I don't. Dude, that movie's going to be fucking huge. It's going to be huge. I, I'm not saying it's going to be huge or it's not going to be huge. I'm, I'm talking about me personally, my investment in her as a character are they going to make me care? Is, am I going to go out and walk out of that movie saying, I can't wait for Black Widow 2? Uh, well, actually, from, all right, from what I've seen on the interwebs, because, you know, the internet's always right, uh, is that from the second trailer, the one that had a lot of Florence Pugh in it, that they're kind of using this one as a transition movie that Florence Pugh will be the future Black Widow. And that even though this is, you know, Scarlet's top billing, whatever, because Florence Pugh is so popular and it's such a hot commodity right now and that she was such a focus in the second trailer, it seems like they're setting it up so that Florence Pugh will be like the next real Black Widow, that she will be moving forward, whatever Black Widow is in like Black Widow 2 or whatever. Which kind of makes sense, and that's, that's actually really. I mean, if they pull that off, and, and I'm sure Charlotte's, Charlotte, Charlotte, Scarlett is fine with that. She's you know an actor, a serious actor, all sort of stuff too. I mean, and she played you know you know Black Widow for you know two decades now. I mean, that's that'd be a really smart move on Feige's part and the, and the Marvel Universe's part, and it would set up you know a Black Widow series independent of her, you know, for a generation to come. I think it'd be great. This this Florence Pugh, what's her deal? Sorry. Have you, uh, no, have you heard of her? Are you familiar at all? I'm looking her up on my phone. Now. Oh no, Florence Pugh is incredible. She is. Oh, all right. So, all right. So she was in Little Women, which might. I mean, I don't know if that's like the biggest profile. G Nice, are you are you aware, are you aware of this woman? I know who she is. Yeah, but I I don't I don't. No, she's she's a big deal. At least at least okay, in like big in like you know big theater goers like people who like see like you know. 50 movies a year like me like we love Florence Pugh like fighting fighting my family it's a dumb movie she was fine in it um little women movies a year just that 40 of them are Moana <laughs> yeah, all right well yeah well played Daddington living that Daddington life Talking with Zach Brack and that you know. 
Well, that I mean, uh, among millennials who really, really stand for Florence Pugh, they find that disgusting. They feel like, how did Zach Braff actually bag her? Uh, which I think is hilarious because you know, us old guys, we, you know, old single guys, let's put it that way. I mean, you know, we like to think we can still pull someone young and hot. So you know, more power to them. But she was in Midsommar, which is a really, really weird movie. A movie I have no desire to see again, but was really well done and kind of a bit of like it's not quite horror, but it is really kind of thrillerish and creepy. And there's a lot of blood and guts and but her character especially the first 30 minutes it's like a master class in like emotional acting like she's like you really feel like how much grief she's going through so that really definitely sold me on it but what really got me on the Florence Pugh train early on little drummer girl here we go another Britficient six episode miniseries where I mean it's like her and um, I'm forgetting the guy who's in this but like she's kind of being led around by this guy into this life of um it's like a 60s period piece but she's kind of like this uh not quite Debbie Tom but she's got like um uh, an artist type who finds herself in the middle of like PLO politics in the 70s it's like really wild shit but she's really good she's you know I mean just I mean she's got like I mean obviously she's beautiful and, and but she's adaptable and she's got like like really expressive face I, I think the, the world is her oyster everyone wants to work with her I mean I'm not surprised she made like a, a, the move to Marvel where it will definitely raise her profile but she's excellent and I saw Lady Macbeth I, I, I saw it like at home on, on streaming one day and it's and that one is like it's like all her and she's like smart and devious and I think she shot when she was like 20 or something it's like she's only 24 She's, I mean, buy stock in Florence Pugh right now. Watch everything she's in because she's sexy. You know, Greg will like this. She's not afraid to get naked. You know, she, you know, daring, bold with her body. You know, she, and she also is not like a typical, like, you know, pencil thin shape either. She's great. I love her. She's awesome. Florence Pugh. Oh. Yeah. There's a cul-de-sac. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so nice. yeah, we're still yeah. on your page. Yeah, 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 so I'm sorry. So that was my set. That was my last one. G nice, bring us home. Yeah, I will, but I I still wanted to say this other small piece that you said. Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry, I sorry. That I agree with you that the the Iron Man was the beginning of it, and the Iron Man is like the perfect popcorn movie. It's perfect. It's fun. It's like silly. It's ridiculous. Robert Downey Jr. was awesome. It's a super simple story. And then you put that, that was exactly the perfect drop off. Like Black Widow, Iron Man, you know, like Iron Man's like a B level character in the Marvel Universe. Black Widow was like a C minus. But like the way this, the way it's presented through this, these guys are huge popular characters now. They've got their own books. It's really, I mean, it's, it's, I'm, the way Marvel has created these worlds is really good. And I, even on TV, like those Daredevil stuff, that was all great too. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I agree with you. I just want to say that out loud 10 minutes ago. Okay. Um, all right. My last, my last choice, this is a hard one because um, I have some, I have some, look, there's whatever. We'll get to the, the, <laughs> the other ones later. But the, the last one, this is a really horrible, horrible movie, but it's so good. I never need to see it again, but it's the perfect apocalypse movie. You guys seen The Road? Yes. That sounds familiar. Hold on. Let's it see. is it's on my so list. On my list. Oh yeah, it's Vigo and Charlize. I did see this one. Dude, this movie's so horrible and so unfun to watch. Yeah, this I never want to see that again. So, so horrible. I read the book. Great book. Cormac McCarthy, right? You never yeah. seen the movie? I've seen the movie. Yeah, too. The scene when he goes downstairs and the bodies are down there. Oh God, <laughs> so stressed out. <laughs> 
such a horrible movie, but it's so incredibly good. And the whole time you're sitting there and you have these, these like super stressful, scary moments. What's going to happen? Never made clear what's going on. And then there's like these sweet moments when he finds the pop and he's giving mm-hmm. it to his kid. And like that line at the end where he's like, you, what, what is, uh, um, who is it? Uh, the dude from Memento. Um, he's in Matt the last Pierce? scene. Is he in that? Yeah, he's in the last scene. He's like, your dad's been through a lot, huh? Something, something, or, no, kid, you've been through a lot right after his dad dies. It's so good. It's so good. It's such a good, horrible movie. And, and, and the great thing about it, it's like, it's very what you would think to be realistic. It's just a guy trying to protect his kid. It's like, how much do you expose the kid to? How much right. do you protect him from? Right. Are, as in protecting him, are you doing him a disservice? Like how much of the real rawness does he need to absolutely need to know to survive? It's a great movie. It's a fucking great movie. It's so, un- like, I don't ever want to see it again. But <laughs> I, always, I always think like I do, but then I start watching it and I get that like horrible feeling that I don't. Like, I, I remember when I got through the movie, when I was over, I was so happy the credits were rolling. <laughs> like, okay, okay, I saw it. I saw it. It's done. But it's very, very good. And Vigo's fucking awesome. He's always really good, but he's great. Yeah. Yeah. All this- right, well done. And we'll call it into that segment. Well done, gentlemen. Appreciate it. Give yourselves a hand. Mine with the just, a, just a couple of honorable mentions. Yeah, I got it. Oh, 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 okay. All right, let's keep these quick. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just going to name off some things. Three movies, Gattaca. Yes. Clockwork Orange. Huh. Ooh, that's a good, you should have said that. That's a good one. And I didn't want to go too obscure. Uh, and then. I would have respected you. And then uh, Minority Report. One of oh. Spielberg's best. Like okay. a lot. Well, and that's more like futuristic. I'm not sure that's apocalyptic though. Uh, I don't know. That's why I kept it off the list. But right, that's, right. Go ahead. That's all. Oh, I, don't wanna... I got mine. I got mine. So there's two things that like, um, Part of the, they're not actually good movies, but I do appreciate when they, the movies like where the world is ending and they're funny, like Zombieland. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Thank but you. Like, I think that is an honorable mention. Like, I don't love that movie, but I do think it's really fun when you have fun with the end of the world. Um, and then this, the one, the end was I, great didn't, I didn't want to be too sn- snotty about it, but like, I love, I used to love this movie. Have you guys have seen Delicatessen? Ew. Once I saw it, yeah. no, I, I never saw it. I'm not into cannibalism. Sorry, it's not really cannibalism, dude. It's mostly funny, but it was pretty great. It's pretty that's a Genet movie, the dude who does uh Amelie. And it was like, uh, it's just one of his earlier, st- I think it's his it's, first one. It's just really, did somebody say Amelie, huh? Did someone say Amelie? Now I'm watching. <laughs> someone say Zombie, uh, um, ah, drink, yes, drink. But I think that's a, it's a really, really fun, interesting, cool small little movie all right my honorable mentions are the the whole reboot of the plan of the ape series those are awesome oh yeah i think i liked all three of them they're all great and uh snow piercer that train mm. man, that was a ride like literally that was that was a fun yeah, yeah. what you didn't like snow piercer you know what you know i bet you didn't like parasite did you uh yes i like what it represents Oh, okay. all right. I'm not. I'm not gonna get into Parasite's like one of my favorite movies now. Well, that was not your favorite. You want to watch that movie over and over and over again? I have. I've seen it three times now wow. <laughs> in IMAX one time too. It's awesome. It is. It's one of the most original movies I've ever seen. It's like Star Wars and that. Like it brought up some shit that I didn't know you could do. Like yeah, that was great. Anyways, that's neither. That's neither here nor there. We're gonna take a break. 
you right now. We're going to pause the recording for those watching at home and for those listening. You will get to learn and be reintroduced or introduced for the first time of how the Cinema Draft game is played and what it's about. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this brief message. Cinema Draft is the fantasy sports version of the movies. But instead of drafting athletes from teams, you're drafting actors from movies. How their movies perform at the North American box office will earn you points for your lineup of stars, all while competing against others for fun and prizes. So how does it work? Well, to fill out your roster, called a call sheet, you draft 10 actors from those listed in the talent pool who are each assigned a dollar value salary. You have a $100,000 budget to try to draft all 10 actors, no more, no less, and you must stay under budget. You must draft at least one actor from each of the three release types of movies. Wide release, movies on 2,000 screens and up, limited release, 501 to 1,999 screens, and platform release, 500 screens or less. There are two headliners per film in the talent pool. Headliners' points are worth 40% more. So, for example, if Top Gun Maverick earns $100 million, Miles Teller gets 100 points, while Tom Cruise, a headliner, gets 140. The game is free to play with cash and cryptocurrency prizes. It's currently in production for a relaunch later this year. We look forward to seeing you play. Come sign up for an invite to the beta when it's ready. Please visit us at cinemadraft.co. That is cinemadraft.co. All right. Now, we are going to a new segment. We used to do the over-under, but since the over-under has mothballed theaters until they reopen, we're going to do our quarantine movie of the week instead. There we go. That's right. Uh, so basically, last week's movie of the week, our, our Wednesday quarantine movie of the day, it was Boomerang, and we cut, we discussed and covered Boomerang in exhaustive detail earlier. Our quarantine movie of the week this week will be Wednesday's movie of the day, and that shall be Ye Old Triple Frontier. Are you familiar with Triple Frontier, Kate? I am not familiar with this. Yeah, this one... <laughs> I mean, oh, it's Netflix. Great. This was a Netflix joint. Yeah, right? this is this is a fun one. You should do it. It's 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 definitely like you know a guy's guy movie. It's got uh, Pedro Pascal. I mean Pedro Pascal. I mean now we kind of he was a bit of a that guy for a little bit, but then I, I'm not sure exactly when his star really you know rose. I don't know if it was his it was his stint on Game of Thrones or some other stuff before that. But Pedro Pascal. Every time I actually I think it was Narcos. I think Narcos really. Uh, yeah. Pascal in our living rooms on a daily, on a regular basis. And he's just, I mean, every time I see him in something, you just know it's going to be done well. He's the Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. he, I mean, he just, every time he shows up, he's, he's just a good time. So he's in this, Oscar Isaac, Ben Affleck, another one of those we're gonna, old, old mercenaries to make one last score, the robbing mm -hmm. a South American drug dealer of his tens of millions. And of course it goes awry. But it's just, it's just a really good action flick. Def, I mean, it would have been interesting to see it in theaters. I think they did one of those brief releases in theaters. But I saw it at home, and it was just fine. 
And I like the I like the Charlie Hunnam as well. He's a good dude. Loved Sons of Anarchy. So Sons of Anarchy, great. Yeah, there's a whole internet theory about how Sons of Anarchy broke Charlie Hunnam. <laughs> as oh, really? far as like yeah, as far as like his accent and stuff. Like even even when you hear him in his native British accent as a gentleman, you're kind of like, is that really British? <laughs> <laughs> you know, because you did Jack Taylor for so long, so long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You just don't know if you really kind of broke him as a as an actor. But anyways, yeah, it's it's a it's a good guns and guy flick. Uh, Triple Frontier. Definitely make sure to check it out. And also, people, this will be up um, by the time this posts uh, on on your podcast platforms and on our YouTube uh, platform. So so make sure you chime in with your tweet length review. Give us your tweet length review at our Twitter account at Place in the Draft. And also, speaking of social media and the games we play on there. I'm gonna give you all a sneak preview. If you guys are listening to this or watching this on, actually better if you're watching this on YouTube. If you guys are watching this uh, <clears throat> on YouTube uh, before Thursday, we're introducing a new game uh, this Thursday. Uh, a game you'll be able to play along during your quarantine at home. I'm not sure if y'all are, have been like, you know, browsing Twitter looking for information or just diversion, but a lot of times we see stuff just randomly t- trending on, <clears throat> on Twitter, like, you know, just comparing, people to people or stuff to stuff well damn it cinema drafts we're i mean it's not like we're bored per se but you know we want to join in the fun so we came up with and and let me tell me if you can see this the the hundred dollar build your dream cast check this out so you got a hundred dollars to build your dream cast and it's wow. got a slight variation of normal cinema draft rules you have to choose at least one headliner co-star or day player you only have a hundred dollars to spend and you must have six actors no more no less mm. somewhat mm. like the cinema draft game where as you had a hundred thousand dollar budget and 10 actors here you have a hundred dollar budget and and you must make sure you get your headliner at least one headliner you get 40 percent bonus just like the regular cinema draft game um, for your headliner so you're, so you at least get bonus points there but but the way we're going to do is we're going to do scoring by poll so after we post this on Thursday, we'll link to it on Friday, and we'll run a poll of the headliners on Friday, uh, co-stars on Saturday, and ooh, day ooh. player on Sunday. And, and, and whoever get, and then we basically do it the reverse order. So whoever gets the most votes, we get the most points, and then kind of reverse engineer it from that. And so then you'll be able to score your, your, well, your call sheet on Mondays with the, when we post all the results of the polls. So make sure you check it out. We will post this on our Twitter and our Facebook account. Uh, polling will only be available on Twitter. So make sure you go to at play cinema draft on twitter.com to make your pick. So just, a, I mean, just a quick perusal. Do you, do you have a Dreamcast in mind already, KG? Well, I, I, I thought I did until I looked to the, I, initially I was thinking uh, Denzel, uh, Viola, Giancarlo, uh, Martindale, and then Aaron Paul. I don't know if that's enough money-wise, but then I saw Meryl Streep over there, and you got to, I mean, <clears throat> how can you Tough not? choices, man. Tough choices. Yeah, how can you not go with Aaron, with uh, Meryl Streep? I mean, yeah, I think I think you were, let's see, one, two, three. I think you might have been one actor short. One, two, three. Yeah, I think you were one actor short, and you saw $11 left over. So that cast was working. Until you saw Street, Street just yeah, but she's only a dollar more than Denzel. If I've had, eh, I mean, if you had, it's tough because if you go with two headliners, if you go with Denzel and Meryl, it doesn't leave you with a ton of cash left, which is the you know, it's the fun yeah, of the game actually, trying to find trying to if, find that money. If you go with those two um, together, there's you no way you, have, you can get a co-star. In. There's no yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one I did um, when I was creating this game. And I mean, this might be giving away a game, but you know, there's only a dozen people listening to us anyways. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I couldn't let down my boy Denzel. That's my dude. So I did Denzel uh-huh. and I did Emily Blunt. So that's two headliners right there, but that's $70 down the drain. Then I want Aaron Paul, <laughs> yeah. co-star. So now we're at $87. We're, we're you know, only at $87 on three actors. We're almost screwed. But then he's yeah. out with the bottom uh, of the list. You know, no Giancarlo is too expensive. We want Ali Wong. I love her. Yeah. Um, uh, I did uh, Margo Martindale. She's solid. And she's then, great. And then, uh, you know, I mean, we already have Ali Wong. She's funny enough. So we'll just put in, you know, Dom Gleason. Solid. Yeah. British accent. That's $100 on the dot. All six cast. Boom. That's that's a pretty solid run there. Boom. It's it's, it's hard for me to leave Viola off my uh, call sheet. Like she's incredible. She's, yeah. I mean, but know. it also depends on what kind of movie you're making. If you want to do a a rom com, and you go Will and Sanaa, you know, or Will and Gal, who knows? I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I, I called my I call that movie uh, Murder on the Midnight Train, a drama. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or you could do like a you know like sort of a. Mission Impossible, Tom Cruise, Gal Gadot, oh yeah, sort of thing. Or or I, throw I hell out of that. You know, throw in uh, Jude Law or like a you know a Cruise Law situation. Uh, there's there's a lot of possibilities here. Okay, I like your heads up. Yeah, so so that'll be up on on Thursday. Uh, so you got a, a sneak peek um to start thinking about them but yeah that's gonna be a fun little game hopefully we'll get some traction we'll get some good votes mm-hmm. and stuff and it might even give us something to do while we're waiting for the theaters to return yep. absolutely yeah. all right so yes we're bringing this sucker in for a landing g nice as you guys might surmise gave us the old irish goodbye he peaced out but thanks you kg kevin garnett the chocolate cardinal stanford's finest working black writer graces with your thank presence you, Oh, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Can't wait till the game gets backed up. And I am uh, definitely going to have to put up a call sheet for this game on uh, Friday. Yeah, outstanding. Excellent. Actually, it'll be Thursday. But, um, but Thursday. yeah, Thursday, you can get a look at it and start putting your call sheet together. And then the polling fund starts on Friday. And always, you know, I'm, you know, I, I'm here for you guys as well. Anything for you to plug? Plug your ish. Uh, nothing for me to plug as of now. I will definitely be checking out Uncorked on Friday, the uh, Prentice Penny Netflix movie. Uh, What's it called? Cork? Oh, that's the it's wine. Called, that's Prentice Penny. It's called Uncorked. Yeah, Uncorked. the the showrunner of Insecure did a movie. Uh, I think it's like in Memphis in France, and it comes out Friday. I'll be checking that out. Oh, excellent! Uh, Dynasty. My next episode of Dynasty should be coming on here pretty soon but i don't know when that is i think we're at probably 15 or so okay. um but <clears throat> that's coming and, on and what everyone wants to know is will you guys be able to finish out the season we there will be a a final episode of the season we we were scheduled to do 22 we had 22 episodes written but because of the coronavirus uh they actually stopped producing episodes at episode 20 this season so that episode 20 will be the last one of season three. And then I'm not sure for season four, whether we will, um, whether we will shoot those final two of season three and sort of has have that as a beginning of season four or whether we'll, they'll scrap those. And cause there's obviously we were leading up to kind of a big thing. So, <laughs> uh, 
we'll see how how it turns out. I think I'm one, two, three. All right, I think I'm four behind. But I, I what I kind of like to do is I like to, to to binge them. I'll get them all. I'll get them all like lined yeah. up and then just kind of rip right through them while I'm while I'm uh, uh you know working on something that doesn't like require my full attention. So, but it, mm-hmm. it's fun though. You know, and you know I've got huge crush on Elizabeth Gillies. My goodness, such style, so good looking, such a great. I'm not sure. I don't know if she's actually like Fallon Carrington in life, but she plays the hell out of her. Fallon's she- so entertaining and fun. She has a lot of she has a lot of Fallon isms in her. Okay, uh, but yeah, she she can definitely talk. She talks fast and super smart, super on top of it. Uh, yes. Amen. All right. Love, love Liz. Love Liz Gillies. All right, and and before before we totally play ourselves out, you know slightly bit of a somber note. Not that she ever would have known what a podcast was, but dedicating this episode to. To our girl Adrian, Adrian Mansion, she went to the Lord, as my mom would like to say, back on Friday. Wow. She was 94 years old, lived quite a life, did not wow. die because of the coronavirus, but uh, we weren't able to see her or anything <coughs> because of the restrictions around the coronavirus. But she was a great friend of the family. Back when I went to church, she was my Sunday school teacher. <laughs> always mm-hmm. prayed for me. Was always very prayerful and just a really great, classy lady. You introduced me to gambling. She took me to the horse race when I was a kid, and that was awesome. <laughs> So you give up to Adrian. Hopefully she's listening to the podcast addict in the sky. And yeah, and on that note, damn it, we'll, you know, instead of go see a movie or something, because you really kind of can't, you know, we're 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 rolling, we're rocking with our Instagram hashtag, the, the quarantine and chill. Quarantine and chill with a movie or something. Yes, sir. Check our Instagram and all that good stuff. Thanks for listening. Thank you for watching. We'll be back here next week with other great guests. And another great topic. Thanks for watching, everyone. Peace. Peace. Where can you find Cinema Draft? We are on Twitter at Play Cinema Draft, Facebook Cinema Draft, Instagram at Play Cinema Draft, Medium at Cinema Draft, that is our corporate blog. We're even on Pinterest, Cinema Draft. Also, subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, Google Music, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts from. And finally, please visit us at cinemadraft.co and sign up for an invite to the relaunch. We will always have games where you can sign up, play for free, and win real money. Cinema Draft is a registered mark of Cinema Draft LLC. Both the Cinema Draft game and the CD3D decentralized app token are for entertainment purposes only.